All right, you may be seated. I, uh, one of the things I always look for whenever I'm preparing a talk is finding something that all of us have in common because there's so many uh, differences, like different political preferences, different mountain or beach, weather, food, whatever. So I try to find things in common. And one of the things that I know that all of us have done, or probably most of us all have done, is we've seen a few movies in our life. We are a very entertainment-driven culture, and because of that, I just wanted to put a couple movie scenes up and see if you recognize where these movies come, what, 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 what this movie is. This is the first one. One of the worst movies ever. Um, wasn't a love story. She dropped him like a bad habit as soon as he died, and there was room on the door. But y'all know, y'all know how I feel about that. Um... But, but let's say, let's say that you had never seen this movie. You had never seen this movie, Titanic. And all I showed you, all you got to see was this picture. And out of this picture, I told you, tell me the entire movie, the plot, what the movie's about, how long the movie is, everything that happens. There's no way, if you didn't know the movie, that you could take that one scene and tell me the whole movie. You would look at it and go, uh, okay, the movie's called um, Redheads Learn How to Fly. And she is learning how to fly and he's helping her. Um, that, that, I, you wouldn't know what that's about. But because you've seen the movie, you know this is just a scene in the story, right? There, there's another movie. Now, this is, I'm, I'm a little partial. It's one of my favorite. What movie is this from? No, it's not Star Wars. It's The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Get it right. Now, now this is a this isn't just a movie. It's a series. It's a trilogy that turned into another trilogy that's turning into another trilogy. But if I if I showed you this one scene, I said, "Tell me what this entire trilogy is about." You would have to say it's about a guy who smoked crack and hallucinated that little green men were on his back. That, that's all you could say. You, you wouldn't know. You don't even know that's Yoda if you haven't seen the movie. It's just a scene. It's just a scene in the story. And can we all agree so far that the scene doesn't necessarily define the story? Uh, last but not least, I don't know if you've seen this movie. How many have seen this movie? Bunch of pagans. Um... <laughs> This movie is, is, is called The Hangover. Now, I've never seen it. People told me about it. That's a lie. I saw it on a plane one time. I thought I was going to get kicked off because I was laughing so hard. But if I showed you this scene, and I said, tell me what this movie is about, you would, you would have to say, it's about a, a man who wanted to teach his tiger to go to the... It's called A Boy and His Tiger. That's what it's called. It's called A Boy and His Tiger. You, you would have no idea what the entire movie is about. Once again, once again, you can't tell me what the entire story is about based on one scene. Correct or incorrect? Correct. The same thing is true with our lives. Every single person in this room knows what it's like to experience pain. You're either in pain or you were in pain. And what happens when I talk about, now, when I talk about pain, I'm not talking about a hangnail. I'm not talking about, listen, I'm tired of people going, oh my God, I'm so depressed. Oh my God, I'm so depressed. Why are you depressed? The line at Chick-fil-A took so long. Okay, that's not depression. 
That's not depression, okay? Sorry the line at Chick-fil-A took three minutes instead of two, but that's not depression. That's entitlement. Thank you very much, all right? So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pain that causes you to question whether or not God is real. Now, there's some people going, I've never been there. Just live a little longer. Pain that causes you to wonder if God even cares about you. Pain that causes you to question the Bible. Pain that causes you to question everything that you've ever believed. We have that kind of pain. And the one thing I know about pain is pain can change our perspective. But that scene does not define your story. That scene does not define your story. It's a part of your life. It's an intense part of your life, but it does not define your life. And too many people, too many people have put pain on the throne of their life, and this is what defines them rather than Jesus. And and listen, listen, if that's you, I'm not fussing to you. I understand. I also understand there's a way out. There's a passage in the Bible we're going to talk about. It's in 2 Kings, if you want to follow along um, on, your, on your Bible app or whatever. 2 Kings, and it's a fascinating story about a guy named Elisha, and he has this encounter with this lady who's in some serious pain. Let's pick up the story right here. The Bible says, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to see Elisha and cried out. Now, under, n- number one, we don't even know her name. We just know that she was a widow, and the first time we meet her, she's having a fit. She cried cried out. She didn't hold it in. She cried out. My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now, you think you had a bad day. That right there is... A bad day. When I first started going to church, um, it was kind of weird. We would all get in a room, we had this thing called Bible study, and we'd sing songs. And my youth pastor played guitar. We would sing like, Lord, I lift your name on high. We need to bring that one back. Um, and then we would sing Peaceful, Easy Feeling, um, the Eagles version, but we put a couple Jesus words in it. So it wasn't like an Eagles song. It was like a Jesus song. And then we would kind of sing songs that only takes a spark to get a fire going. Some of you remember that. Some of you don't. And for those of you that don't, you have less trauma in your life. But we always sang those songs. And after we got done with those songs, there would always be a, a time for prayer requests. Now, I don't know if, you, if you've never gone to old school church, then you don't know what this is, but you would actually ask people, do you have any prayer requests? And there was some legitimate prayer requests, and there was always some weird ones. They were hyper just weird, but Jesus loves them, but, but I don't. So anyway, that, just being honest. But there was prayer requests. And I remember the first time this happened, we're all going around the room, and, and somebody said, unspoken. Now, first of all, that weirded me out, because I thought, well, you just spoke. So it's technically not an unspoken so what I tried to do, this is just me, I would always kind of, hey, you had that unspoken thing. What was that about? Oh, no, we can't talk about that, man. And you know what I learned? The reason it was unspoken is because if it was spoken, you would get kicked out of the church. You couldn't tell people what was really going on. You couldn't tell people you were struggling with drinking too much. You couldn't tell people that you were addicted to painkillers. 
You couldn't tell people that you looked at porn the night before. You couldn't say that stuff because you'd get kicked out. So the safest thing to do was just say, unspoken. But when we leave something unspoken, it can't get healed. Well, watch this. Don't, 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 don't miss this. The, the Bible says this lady, and we don't even know her name, and for some of you that feel like nobody even knows who you are, God knows who you are because this lady appears in the story, and the first thing we see about her is she cried out. She didn't, she didn't go up to Elisha and say, hey, um, I got an unspoken. It was spoken. She cried out, and she said, my husband who served you is dead. Now, this is... It's horrible to lose somebody close to you. But around 3,000 years ago, in Bible times, a woman who lost her husband didn't just lose her companion, but she lost her covering. She lost her protection. This particular woman lost a special connection with God. She had lost just about everything she had. And so for those in the room that feel like, You've gone through a season of loss. You've gone through a season of disappointment. You've gone through a season of discouragement. That So did people in the scriptures. It's right here. She said, my husband who served you is dead. And and not only that, it's not looking to get any better because a creditor has come and he's threatening to take my two sons as slaves. This is a bad situation. Some of us here today are in bad situations. And if you don't get anything I say today, I hope you'll get this. God will not heal what we refuse to reveal. You're going to hold that in? Listen, you got to cut cancer out. Because if you don't, it'll grow and it'll consume you. And I know, listen, I know the reason you don't confess that pain. You don't really talk about what you're wrestling with because you're afraid of being judged. You're afraid of being condemned. And you're afraid of being kicked out. We don't do that here. That's what I'm talking about. The first week... The first week we talked about guilt. The second week we talked about shame. We don't guilt. We don't shame. We understand. Listen, we're not better than you. We're one of you. And we want to help you because we believe that if you are a follower of Jesus, pain does not define your life. Yes, it's a part of your story. Yes, it's a significant scene. Yes, it is going to affect us one way or another. But at the end of the day, Pain does not get to paint the picture that Jesus has for us. He promised us hope and a future. And if he promised us hope and a future, then the thing that we can't do is sit around and dwell on our pain because when pain defines us, Jesus doesn't. Now, the story continues. I love his response. What can I do to help you? Now, that kind of seems insensitive, but he's going somewhere with this. What can, I, what can I do to help you, Elisha? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Like, what do, you, what do you have? Now, logic will tell you this lady's got nothing. She's lost her husband. And she's so, how do you get so in debt they're going to take your kids? They're going to take your kids. Some of y'all are like, can I, can I, can I, where can I sign up for that? Anyway, 
<laughs> and she said nothing at all, except, except, except a flask of oil, she replied. Now, I don't know what kind of person you are, but this is my cell phone. Right now, it's got, hold on, I'll tell you, 90% battery, 90% battery. Now, I'm the type of person that once it gets below 75%, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Now, we got somebody on staff. I'm not going to tell you your name's Carly. I'm not going to tell you it's Carly, so don't ask. Whose phone is always on like 1%. Always. Always. Her computer, her phone, everything, it's always on 1%. But I'm not going to tell you it's Carly. And so, so for me, it's always blow. And so I remember I was out with a group of people. Now, kind of put that, sometimes that this, these stories are going to connect. Sometimes I get weird gifts. Have you ever gotten a weird gift from somebody? And you're like, oh, wow, it's a thing. And you don't know what it is. And so you thank them for it. And some of you, it's not the gift, it's the thought that counts. Okay, well, they don't think. That, that's all I can say about them. They don't think at all. And so, so, so I... <laughs> I hate to confess this, but it's so true. I got a pile of stuff that I don't know what it is. And one of these days when I figure what it is, I'll, I'll re-gift it because somebody wants it, right? And it's just like, oh, wow, it's a thing. So one time somebody gave me this thing called a Mophie. I don't know what you know of what a Mophie. Anybody know what a Mophie is? You know what a Mophie is? It's like an external battery charger for your phone. I didn't know what a Mophie was. They're like, we got you a Mophie. I was like, man, that's awesome. I've been wanting one of those Mophies. Taste amazing. Mophie and steak and so I anyway I put it in my I put it in my little pile in my house so I'm out with a group one night and the person who gave me the Mophie was with us at the table and they kind of saw me looking concerned they're like what's wrong I was like my phone's literally on eight percent and and the person was like use your Mophie I was like what'd you say about my mama she said no 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 use your Mophie I was like what's a Mophie she said it's it's what I gave you last week for your birthday. And I was like, well, it's, it's in my house. And, da, 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 da. And, and that night I was going to bed and I was thinking about, you know, I'm worried about losing all this power. I'm worried about not being able to use this phone because I'm so connected to this phone. While all the time, what I needed was actually already in my house. I was looking for some type of external connection. I was looking for somebody else to maybe supply me with a power cord or something else. But what I needed was already in the house, and I needed to shift my perspective from what I thought everybody else could give me to what I already had in my house. What God is trying to do today for somebody, and I don't know who this is for, is trying to shift our perspective from what we lost to what we got left. Because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to diminish anything that anyone lost. Yes, you lost the relationship. You lost the money. You lost the job. You, <laughs> you lost so much. But the question is not, what, do you, what have you lost? The question Elisha asked her is, what do you have in your house? He's shifting her perspective from what she lost to what she got left. And at the end of the day, while you lost something, God sent me here to tell somebody today, you got something left in the house. And instead of focusing on what you lost, let's focus on what you got left. In fact, tell your neighbor right now, say, I've got something left. I've got something, I got something left in the house. 
You may have lost something, but you've got something left. Instead of focusing on what you lost, focus on what you got left. Now, I love when he asked her, what do you have? She got, I ain't got, I ain't got a thing. <sighs> Except this flask of oil. I only got a little bit. I lost a lot, but I got a little bit. But did you know that a little bit is all God needs? I I love David when he goes to fight Goliath. All the army, and they're over here, they got their swords, and they got their spears, and they got their shields, and they got everything. And David's standing here, and they're looking at Goliath as an obstacle, and David sees Goliath as an opportunity, but he's like, I don't know, I... What, what, do you, what, what do you have to fight with, David? They got swords, they got spears, they got shields. He goes, I, all I got is this, this rock. And it was enough. It was enough. J- Jesus was in front of 5,000 people and they needed to feed the people and, and, and they're scrambling to find food and the, the disciples are going, send them away, send them away. And they're looking around and we don't have anything. We don't have anything except these five... All we got is a little bit. We got five loaves and we got two fish. And Jesus goes, that, that, that's enough. All we need is a little bit. So for those of you that feel like I only got a little bit left, a little bit is all God needs to turn it into a measurably more than all you could ever ask for or imagine. Now, I, lo- I love it because he says, Elijah tells her, he says in verse 3, and Elijah says, borrow as many, what's this word on three, one, two, three? This is huge, empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. This happened in southern Israel because we all got friends and neighbors in the south. Now, it seems weird, it seems weird that you would tell a woman that's lost everything and her sons are about to get taken away to borrow. But sometimes God's plans don't don't make sense. And right now, right now, I want to talk to the person, I want to talk to the person, and listen, I understand you because I used to be you. And you're like, this is my problem. This is my pain. I can handle it all by myself. Let me help you. Not even Jesus tried to walk through pain by himself. And if he couldn't do it, you can't either. Pride will allow pain to keep its grip on your life. I, I remember being, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. Not always freaks people out. I know none of y'all believe me when I tell you that, but I am. And you're like, you're not an introvert on stage. It's because I worked on this message for like 10 or 20 hours, right? When, but when I get in a crowd, I'm, I'm like got my back against the wall. And I'm kind of, <laughs> so I was at a party one night, a long time ago, and I broke my nose. Now, how I broke my nose is not important. <clears throat> It was, there, was, there was no fight. There was no fight involved. It's another story for another time. But, but I broke my nose, and I broke it good. I broke it completely across right here. 
Now, when I broke my nose, or when my, let's just say when my nose was broken, I didn't say, hey, y'all, having some issues with my nose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pray about this. I think it's going to be all right. Got blood trickling down. Both eyes are turning black. What's wrong with your nose? Why, why we got to talk about my nose? What's wrong with your nose? You might not believe this, but when I get hurt, I'm a baby. Most men are. We're like, how are you doing? Oh, my God, my fingernail. So when I get hurt, I'm a little, I'm a little dramatic. And so I'm over in the corner going, oh, God, my nose. My blood is everywhere. You know what it took to help me? Other people. Somebody had to help pick me up because I couldn't see. Somebody had to get me to the car. We had to get to the hospital. We had to go in. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? My nose is here. That's what's wrong with me. Is this normal? Is this normal? Thank you very much. Can you fill out these papers? I was like, yeah, hold my nose for a minute. I'll fill out the papers. But I couldn't get to the hospital on my own. And once I got there, I couldn't heal myself. I needed other people to gather around me to help me to get to the place where I needed to be in order that I could receive healing. And I love what Elisha tells this lady. He's like, hey, I know you're in pain and I know you're suffering, but if you really want to get past this, don't miss it. You're going to have to involve other people in your life. Because I've said it before, and I know I sound like a broken record. I'm going to preach it till the day I die that healing only takes place in the context of relationships. Nobody in this room has the power to heal yourself. I I love it. Now, what Elijah told her is go borrow, what's this word right here? Empty jars. He said, don't go ask your neighbors for money. You know why? Because if you look to another person or a group of people for your source and supply, they're always going to wind up lacking and you're always going to wind up disappointed. And you're going to wind up disappointed in something that God didn't call you to trust in in the first place. He said, go borrow empty jars. In other words, surround yourself with people that increase your capacity to receive. Don't, don't surround your people with, that, that are full, full, full of, anyway, don't, don't surround your people, surround yourself with people that can help you increase your capacity. I don't know about you, but I need people around me that increase my capacity because sometimes I don't have the faith that I need and I'm going to need to borrow your faith or I'm going to need to borrow your faith. Sometimes I don't have the hope that I need, so I'm going to have to help. I'm going to have to have people that help me hope. Sometimes I don't have the love and compassion that I need for other people. So I'm going to have to have somebody around me that helps me to love other people and see people the way that Jesus sees people. At the end of the day, you and I need one another if we want to really want to get past the pain that seems to be pounding us day in and day out. Now, it, the story gets a little crazier because... Elijah told me to do this. I was, this don't make sense. But then he said, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask. Well, in, in, in my mind, I'm thinking she's only got a little bit. Then she's got all these empty jars. 
So how is she going to fill all this with a little bit? Doesn't make sense. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Can, can, can we all agree? Can we all agree that this don't make sense? Now, several years ago, I got on a health kick, and it's, uh, it's, my, it's my new thing. I love, to, I love to go for a run on Sunday mornings. I, run, I ran six miles this morning. It was great. I loved it. And some people are like, I ain't running six miles. I had a friend tell me, I'm, if somebody, like, I'm some, nah, I ain't doing that. But I'm like, well, you know, if, for me, it was like all about, well, I want to feel better. I want to lose some weight. I want to get in better shape. I want to do all this. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start running. I'm going to lift weights or whatever. But during the middle of this process, there, in, fact, in fact, this morning, I was thinking, I wish I could pay somebody to run for me. But I get the benefit. So you run, and I lose weight. Yeah, you run, and I look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I eat donuts while you run, and I lose weight. I wish, is there an app for that? Because I am downloading that app. I mean, I wish, I wish that, that you could exercise, and I could get the benefit. That, that would be awesome, but that's not how it works. I mean, if I want the benefit, I've got to be the one to step into the gym. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because sometimes God's going to ask us to take a step of faith that doesn't make sense. And listen, nobody else can do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. Your brother can't do it for you. Your boyfriend can't do it for you. The only person that can take that step of faith it's you. And it doesn't make sense. God, all I got is a little bit. God says, that's all I need to make the difference. So, so and don't miss this. Don't miss this. Sometimes what God wants to do with you and through you is going to be behind shut doors. God doesn't always want to put his work on display. In fact, some of the best work that God does in people are in places that other people can't. It's, it's in our hearts and in our minds. So, so this is what he tells her to, to do. And the Bible says, so she did as she was told. Now, that's the whole key to the miracle. I know so many people, me included, so I I would love to see a miracle. I'd love to see a miracle. I'd love to see a miracle. And God says, this is your next step. I'm not going to do that. And then we wonder why God doesn't do miracles anymore. The reason the miracle happened in this story, the reason the miracle happened is very simple. She did as she was told. That's it. That's the key. That's the key to a breakthrough. That's the key to a miracle. It's what, what God is speaking into your heart. That's the next step that you take. Well, I'm not going to take it. Then you forfeit the miracle that God wants to rain down on your life. That's, that's, it's as easy as that. So, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. No, notice, no, oh my God, don't miss this. It's a process. It's all about the process. 
In fact, say that with me on three. One, two, three. It's all about the process. Yeah, it's all about the process. We can't forget the process. See, when I started my health journey three years ago, I weighed 240 pounds, I wore a size 40 in the waist, and I went in the gym one day, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I came out of the gym, and I felt the same, and I looked the same. The next day, I went in, I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I felt the same, and I looked three months later, I'm working, and I told a friend of mine, I was like, you know, the before and after pictures? They were like, yeah. I said, we didn't take the before picture. My friend was like, it's not too late. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Dear God. You don't have to be that honest. But three years later, I, I don't look like I used to look, but it was a process. We, sometimes we want God to take the pain away immediately. And I wish that happened. But God more than, more than often works through a process. And the process starts without the, the words of that old hymn, I surrender all. God, I've got to deal with this pain. God, I got to tell somebody about this pain. I got to confess this pain. I got to get some people around me to help me deal with this pain. It, it, it's a process. It's a process. And today, somebody here or somebody watching online needs to step in the process of dealing with the pain because don't, let me, let me stop. Don't ever Ever, I'm so off script right now, but I feel led to go here. Don't ever let anyone minimize your pain. Amen. Amen. Because have you, ever, have you ever been going through a tough time? You're going through a tough time. You finally get the courage to tell somebody and they go, well, you know, there's people starving in Africa that would love to have your problems. Yeah. You know what I want to tell those people? You know what? You suck. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what I want to say. Yeah. Or this is my favorite. Um, well, you know, Job had it worse. You know what my reaction is now? Did he? <laughs> Did he really? Like you talked to him? Do you know? But you know what those people do? They get uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. And so they got to come up with some Pithy answer, pithy, pithy, okay? I said pithy. Did he say pissy? No, I said pithy. Answer that complete because they don't know how to deal with it. But at the end of the day, it's a process that begins with saying, you know what? I've got some pain in my life. I don't have any scripture on my screen, but that's okay. Dear God, what is happening right now? You know what? I got a Bible app on my phone. The devil is not going to shut me down. I'll pull up my Bible app. I'll preach with my Bible app. I I don't even care. Let me find it. Oh, I was in Micah. There we go. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Second Kings. That's the thing about Bible apps. You don't even have to know where it is. You just kind of start scrolling through. There we are, chapter 4. I'm going to pull it up. Bam. Jars. What I did. So she did as she was told. Verse 5. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled. There it is. Hoop. There it is. Hoop. Sorry. For those of y'all that knew that song and saw The Hangover. I sang it because I heard somebody say it before the service. (laughs) 
Soon, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. I, I, some people say, oh, that's sad. No, that's not sad. That's amazing. From a flask, she had the wherewithal to change her perspective. What she lost, what she had left, she told other people, increased her capacity, got behind closed doors, engaged in the process. And by the end of the story, everything that she borrowed was completely filled. And then this happens. I, I love this. I love this. I love this. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what is left over. How many of y'all remember? How many of y'all remember? I'm going to see how old y'all are. How many of y'all remember mixtapes? You made a mixtape? Anybody make it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Got a lot of old people in this room. I, I'm, I, my hand was up. Yeah, mixtape. Yeah, if you know what a mixtape is, you old. I mean, I'm, I'm, you, I mean, I'm, Jackie, how old are you? 39. Oh. I'm neck deep right now, aren't I, guys? Right now, I'm neck, 39 is 30. You young girl. Anyway, so she read about a mixtape on Google, but but mixtapes were those things that we we you know you would you used to couldn't just get music right. You just had to listen for it on the radio, and then you would like start it, and then because I had a mixtape, I remember I had Tone Loke on my mixtape because Wild Thing was a popular song. Let's do it, and I could I could rap the whole thing, and right after that was um, the boys in the hood are always... I had that song, okay? Wasn't a Christian, don't judge me. Um, I, I had all these songs on my mixtape, and I used to carry around a mix. I, I had like six or seven mixtapes. I always had mixtapes of songs that I had heard, and I was just carrying them around. But you know, today, if you have a mixtape, you're kind of weird. You, you know why? Because I can, I can get any song I want right here, right now. I can just, bam, download it on my phone. That's all I got to do. I don't have to have a mixtape. I don't have to keep replaying what I used to have. I can have something brand new with a download. I don't have to look at the mixtape. I can have something brand new with a download. And I'm just saying to somebody today who's got the mixtape of pain going on in your life, that you don't have to live like this anymore, that you don't have to live that mixtape. You don't have to be defined by that pain. You can have, you can have, you can have something brand new and I know you lost something and I know it hurt and I know it still haunts you but today the focus is not on what you lost it's what you got left and if anybody knows the story I understand I never wanted to pastor again never I never wanted it no hold on hold on hold on I never wanted to pastor again I, I wasn't even sure that I ever wanted to go to church again. And it, listen, it, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm, I'm I, like, I poured the drinks, okay? I poured the drinks. And I was left to deal with what I had to deal with. And slowly but surely, I stepped into a process where I began to surround myself with some people who had capacity 
And God was like, I want you to start a church. I was like, oh, hold, on, hold on, God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't have what I had. I don't have publishers calling me wanting book deals anymore. I don't have, I don't have 18 campuses. I don't have a multi-million dollar budget. I don't have 400 staff. I don't, I don't have any of that. And God's going, you got an iPhone. Let's, let's start with that iPhone and let's just go from there. And instead of focusing on what I lost, <laughs> he put my focus on what I had left. And what I had left. What I had left was enough to get us to where we are today. And I don't share that story. I don't share that story for anybody's admiration. I share that story because I know that this story and my story can be true of your story as well. What caused you pain? Today, you can start the process where it does not define you anymore. If he can do it with me, he can do it with you. Can we stand for prayer? Jesus, thank you so much that you've left every one of us with enough. We might not have what we used to have, but there's still something in the house. There's still something we can hold on to. And Father, I pray for the person that today that's in the room or that's watching online, that God, the pain is so real. The hurt is so real. The questions and the frustration with you and other people, it's, it's so real, Jesus. God, would you just let them know it's okay. You see them in their pain. But that, that, that scene does not get to define their story. It's a part of their life. It doesn't define our life. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, some of you here today, right now, maybe for the first time in your life, need to admit to God, God, I'm hurting right now. And let me just say this, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, God will not heal what you will not reveal. And this is the place where you don't have to offer up an unspoken prayer request. We have people on our care team that would love to pray with you and love to pray for you about what you're going through. So if you're here today and you feel like this message was just for you, you're in the middle of a season where you're hurt, you're confused, you're frustrated, I want to invite you right now to step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors of our auditorium here. There's four exit doors. You go ahead and go. If you want to step in to healing, I want you to go ahead and go. We've got care team members back there that, that would love to meet with you, pray with you, pray for you.
anybody else, we've had several people. If, 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 listen, if you want to hold on to it, that's fine. But cancer kills. It's going to kill the work of God in you spiritually. I want you to go. Maybe you're here today on, in this room or online and you've never prayed to receive Christ. Maybe you've questioned whether or not he's even real because of the pain that's going on that you deal with, you legitimately deal with. Like I said earlier, it's no accident that you're here today. So if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you're like, I, I, I just, I can't take it anymore. I just want to give my life to Jesus. I want to turn my life over to Jesus. Then I want to invite you right where you stand right now just to pray. You pray this prayer in your heart. Just pray right now. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Thank you for saving me. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, then all over this room, would you put your hand up? And I just want you to leave it up for just a second because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you're online, you can do the hand raise emoji. You just put it up. Father, thank you for the people that have prayed to receive you today. Father, I pray for every single one of us. God, that though pain is real, it would not define us. That we would step out knowing Jesus that the little bit that we got left is more than enough. More than enough. You have given us more than enough. And we thank you for that. We love you, Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Don't forget next week. I love my church. Can't wait. God bless. Y'all have a great week.